welcome to another edition of the Capiche Filmcast. Stephen Barry here, joined by a cavalcade of guests. We're uh, doing a new project. We've not actually got a name for it yet. Something along the lines of Bondcast, I don't know. I think <laughs> that name's already taken, unfortunately. Is it? Is it? I did look it up. Yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> it was the first one I thought of. And... <laughs> it's the most obvious, isn't it? Yeah, it is, I know. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'll introduce our guests on my left. Fran, Francis Murphy. Hello. <laughs> of course we've been doing the star trek podcast so you should be uh, relatively familiar on on these podcasts steve steve mccall good afternoon second steve of the operation hello <laughs> <laughs> by no means the least though and gordon webster good afternoon <laughs> very formal very formal gordon you've got I, the I, job I was, I was gonna wear my full james bond tuxedo to be even more formal i'm actually disappointed you didn't <laughs> i thought we should all do it but uh, You've actually ruined it, but we're going to pretend we all wear because they can't see us. <laughs> yeah, ah, that's a good point. I'll tell you, cut this out. We're all wearing bo- oh, tuxedos. Wow, you guys yeah. look flash. <laughs> Smooth, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, if you hadn't guessed, we're obviously going to be doing a new project, the um, James Bond film marathon. Not watching them all in one sitting, of course. We're going to be doing a, a series of podcasts where we are going to watch each film and kind of have a review at the end uh, after we've watched it. Kind of, and then I'm hoping maybe to do a ranking podcast at the end where mm. we either have our own lists or um, battle it out to see which ones we think are the best or some sort of ranking at the end where we have a collective dec- decisive vote on what was the best of the films. I think that'd be a good final kind of thing. But that's going to be the end of, at what, 24 slash 25, depending on when we do that, um, James Bond uh, podcast. This one in particular is just an introduction to the project and our thoughts on Bond mm-hmm. and uh, let's establish some credentials. Uh, yeah, so just an informal chat and we'll yeah. talk about what we love about James Bond exactly. and what Bond yeah, means to us. We love James Bond. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, yeah Gordon, as long as you like it, I think yeah, that's enough. <laughs> I, I think three of us, we're quite familiar with the series, but Gordon particularly, you, you're you quite really familiar with it. Yeah, I, I'm a bit of an enthusiast when it comes to James Bond. I, th- I think I was maybe four or five when I started getting into Bond and it's it's just been with me ever since. Yeah. I'm pretty intense about my Bond What was stuff. the first Bond film? First you? Bond film that I saw? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure there's three three that I had taped from TV that just had on constant rotation. Love and Light Die, Spy Who Love Me, and Goldfinger. All right. And so, so it must have been one of them. Could have been Thunderball. I have this early memory of Thunderball. But... So that's interesting because I'm expecting from myself, it was Goldeneye. It was the first introduction during the, really? the game. And then I seen the film, and I didn't realise that Bond was a thing until that film. That was quite late to it. Yeah. So you've came. You were before that, I'm assuming. Then. Yeah, I mean, since since about, I reckon I was probably about four or five, potentially even three when I first started getting into James that seems, Bond. That seems almost. And I'm 31 now, so that's why. Yeah, that's just under. <laughs> Would twi- you say you were affected by the murder and all of that? The womanizing. I don't think I'm drinking too much about the 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 murdering, <laughs> the cold bodied murdering and all that. Uh, just it was, it was just fun. Then. I mean, they're, they're fun. Even um, not just you're thinking about the Roger Moore era and the you know it brought a new fun side to Bond, but there was always that fun side which the books, the original books, being Fleming were were a bit more serious. There wasn't all the the funny one liners and all that. But I liked the action. I don't know. Um, I think. Those three films, though, I just have these memories just watching them all the time, probably an average of about once a week, and gradually started watching the other ones and seeing all the mm-hmm. bonds. And then, and then I up to, I think, um, 
Pierce Brosnan was Bond was the actor the year of your tournament Goldeneye that was when I started just I watched the newest one which was Goldeneye I think Tomorrow Never Dies yeah aye like for me like I said Goldeneye was my introduction and then I realised that oh there's other Bond films and they were much mm. older but um slower films and I didn't quite get into them the same way but I still yeah. had an appreciation for them and could see where you know where the series progressed Steve what was your introduction um, I mean, I'm definitely of the sort of Piers Brosnan era. Um, firstly, I'm enjoying the old school pirating, taping off the telly. We're all definitely, obviously, of uh, that era. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure I had some taped off the telly as well. I th- uh. Was that pirating? Was that pirating? Was that just tape off. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Is it? That was I never definitely... really considered that. I thought that was just something we all... That was just universally... It was like the old days version of like downloading a torrent, basically. Yeah, it was, it was the best way to do it. They sold blank tapes and things. I don't know. All yeah, right. They sell computers. Yeah, true. We all did it, but that's... that's and then, then your mum tapes over the wrong... Oh, <laughs> tapes yeah. or throws them out and... Yeah, when you go to watch GoldenEye and it's, it's I don't know, Neighbours sort of, comes on. Yeah, exactly. Mom. Or your mum goes to watch her wedding video and it's GoldenEye. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's, that's this is more exciting than I remember, darling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what, what about James Bond's wedding? Have any of you guys seen that? It's not one of the yeah. most... Um, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, indeed. you're referring to? Yeah, uh, I thought yeah. that was quite a cool touch because, you know, Bond was always the, you know, the bachelor. He actually got mine. I think a lot of people wouldn't... Um, maybe be aware of that or even that film and um i think i said this to you last week when we were in the pub and uh you only live twice the the novel which i think was the last fleming novel bond actually has a child really uh, to, yeah i mean all the years i've been into bond only found that out quite recently so this is quite good because you've even got this perspective of having read the novels that's again i've never read i think i've read the novelization of golden Eye. <laughs> yeah well, I've, I've read that too don't worry i've read that not quite the same uh, i will point out i've read a number of the ian fleming books oh have you years ago as well right okay that so was um, through my friend adam uh, okay so he, he's big into bond mm-hmm. in a similar way to yourself yeah um so yeah i've have read them but it's been a very long time and since I've read what, what them but, but what I have to say is poor Steve was in the middle of explaining his yeah sorry Steve, <laughs> his, Steve. Uh, no sorry I, had, I didn't, I didn't yeah. have a huge amount to compare to Gordon I have very I, had, I don't have as much to say like I say the, the sort of Pierce Brosnan era was my kind of era uh, and again, it's it's Goldeneye and all those ones straight through to the more recent Daniel Craig ones. I have gone back and watched um, some of the older ones. If they're, they're always on. It's always ITV3. There's <laughs> nothing to do. Oh, there's a Bond film on. I can never remember which one it is. I just yeah. kind of... You kind of slip into it and it's just a couple of hours of escapism, regardless of which film it is. Exactly, yeah. And it's, it's... So yeah, that's... That's my kind of Bond experience, if yeah. you like. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I've seen nearly every film at least once the only one i know i haven't seen the full film is quantum of solace um but i've heard that it's also not the greatest film so i haven't missed out too much mm-hmm. but uh fran what was your uh kind of experience, first introduction to bonding um well i don't really remember i think my first obsessive introduction to bond or interaction with the bond franchise was probably goldeneye as well because obviously we played it so much and you you got all the characters and what you player and you would start to wonder who they were, who's odd job and who's this and that. And I remember my uncle actually going back to the tapes thing. He taped Live or Let Die and Octopussy and, and I got the tapes somehow so I was watching those. And um, through that I became quite fond of the Roger Moore era because it was so funny. Some of the things, that he, the one-liners and the quips he'd come out with were really quite funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, 
there's this bit in Live and Let Die, I think it is, where where um, Roger Moore or Bond runs into the circus and as a, dressed as a, a well, no, he's not as a clown yet, but he runs into this circus area and a guard says, there's a man running there and he's wearing a red shirt. And for some reason that always really tickled me, this particular <laughs> detail being mentioned. <laughs> I don't know why. So that might come up at some point when we watch the film. But there was other things as well, like when the, in Octopussy, when um, the island was so populated by a woman and Bond just goes, sexual discrimination you know and, and he constantly <laughs> that, comes out with these that, that yeah. line just almost summed Roger Moore up yeah. that was but he delivers it in a certain way it's not yeah. he goes sexual discrimination uh, you know there's a particular yeah just and, and, and him getting put inside a crocodile I think at one yeah. point as a disguise <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, so these are the tapes I was watching I remember watching this over and over again and thinking this is absolutely mad <laughs> this yeah. is craziness and then they went to see the Daniel Craig ones in the cinema and I thought these are really realistic mm-hmm. what's going on here um, Pierce Brosnan I remember a formative moment was seeing him coming off the side of a, 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 a sort of cliff of ice and this really bad CGI and I remember thinking oh no film is that? It was, um, was that Goldeneye? You mean Diana on the motorcycle? Oh, oh yeah. when he sails yeah, he surfs along Diana Diana I've seen that once yeah. don't get us we're going to have to watch it so, God almighty I feel like it's not the worst but sorry I I'm just saying I feel like if it wasn't for Star Trek, I could have got into Bond more. Do you know what I mean? I'd already had my franchise that I liked and I'd filled up my brain with it, basically. All the knowledge about that and all the lore and everything. But Bond, yeah, it's I, I'd say I'm quite fond of it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like to watch it and I feel like I know, I know it to a certain point. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't say I'm an expert by any means. I think Bond's, it is more accessible like you're compared to Star Trek there, the idea is more accessible, uh-huh. it's a bit more familiar Indeed. there's something embedded in our culture and everything references Bond, it's like easy to kind of just fall into easy watching in a, especially the older ones Yeah, um, I'm really interested, Fran, you are saying about Octopussy, and I think it's a classic best mm-hmm. of the best, Roger, I don't know I was watching it recently and it gets a bit of a bad rap so what, uh-huh. what was your take on on the whole? I actually loved that film um, for its complete madness like I mean, I could go through scenes where he gets taken out as a dead body and then wakes up, but then he, he, yeah. he makes a weird noise and frightens the guards. <laughs> yeah, and then there's a bit where he, he, he tells a tiger to sit. Have you read and the novel obeys. for that one? Is there a, that's, um, is that, that's not a collection of short stories. It's called Octopus and the Loving Daylight. It's completely the, the, the so film. I think there's one or two elements from other Bond books, like a lot of them, mm-hmm. which we could get onto at some point. There's a lot of, like, for instance, I've seen Living Light Die. Um, Felix Leiter he gets his leg his arm bitten off and that actually got adopting license to kill but I think Octopus was a short that. story and it yeah and it, it was one of many short there's a book of about eight short stories now, Fleming did see Octopus there's a bit one thing I found really interesting about that film was that it started out really serious because you've yeah. got 009 getting killed yeah oh, murdered sorry. an and Octopus an Octopus and, but then it sort of goes down this weird this weird path into complete you know, it's, it becomes almost slapstick, the film. I, mean, I don't think it's a bad film. I think yeah. it should have been Moore's last, though. I think maybe the, no, the one after that was maybe a bit too... He was a wee, bit, a wee bit too old then. It became comedic to see him getting into bed with a woman quite young when you look at the age that he is. And that's probably going to be quite creepy now when we watch that, yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, that, oh, that's the thing. Time is yeah. kind of... Yeah. Where did you find that fossil? Uh, you know, it's... Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's going to be, a, I think Bond's in a weird spot right now and that's why it's probably needing a bit of a, a change up in terms of the tone and stuff like that because 
looking back on it, some of the stuff doesn't age quite as well as mm-hmm. you'd probably expect. But part of, I can also the argument of is that's what Bond is and all this kind of stuff. So changing it up too much, then are we losing the whole identity of what the thing is? It's a tough tough line it sounds like that's what's coming everything that's <clears throat> excuse me everything that's coming out of uh, Bond 25 that was kind of announced this week yeah. obviously you've got the script being given to Phoebe Waller-Bridge yeah. from Fleabag to Fleabag, kind of inject yeah. a bit of sort of <laughs> humour from a, a female perspective in there and there's there's reports that Bond's going to become some kind of feminist icon it's it's in some of the trashier tabloids so I don't quite know whether to believe it to Can that extent. Can I just extent. ask a question? How would, how would Bond become a feminist icon? That's what that's the question I was asking myself too. I don't quite know what they'd have to do for him to turn a full 180 because that's what it would have to be. It would be yeah. interesting. I don't know. We would, Bond is a... The Roger era especially, uh, the, he's a... There's a lot of real sexism honestly. He's a, such a blatantly sexist are we allowed to swear in this? Yeah. <laughs> it's a an adult podcast. We're yeah. Adults, so it's, you're, we're, yes. yeah. And if you're a child listening, it's your fault. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, is Sean Connery probably the most? I would have thought Sean Connery's stuff was the, the most. Like, yeah, there's a few. Um, he, he properly, like. A slapping. Is slapping and, and things like that. Particularly the Connery. Ian, Roger did it as well in mm-hmm. the first couple of films. It's, yeah, it's, it's just. It's how it was back then, I suppose. But then again, if Bond becomes a feminist icon, it's just a statement of the time that we live in, and within 10 years that will change again because it will be a different era when people are moaning about something else. They don't really have to change like too much. They just have to take away some of the sleazy side of it and just have it focus on something else, maybe. There's a way to do that. Like, I thought they had with the the um, Daniel uh, Craig films. I, uh, I suppose they have. Yeah, because the, the female characters have, in the yeah. Daniel Craig films seem to be a lot more. They're a bit more actually active. Like, yes, they're not just passive. Uh-huh. Um, but also, I think the Bond girl as a thing is still. Well, they were trying to get away from that. I think yeah. they were trying to make them more supporting characters, not supporting like as in being a bit of eye candy for Bond and having bizarre names and things like that. I think that existed until the Pierce Brosnan era, definitely oh, to a certain yeah. extent. But then it, I'd say Daniel Craig's films. There were a lot. There was a lot more depth to the, which bizarrely enough actually yeah. ties back to the books, yeah. Because the female characters had more depth in the books, the, which yeah. is weird, because they're the oldest thing. So what? In what way did the characters just? Well, the, they weren't the, the Bond girl thing wasn't a thing in the books. That was a thing that was constructed for the films. Well, it I'm felt. It, it, what's interesting is I could tie this to Star Trek with Captain Kirk in the way that. <laughs> yeah. you, yeah. This is something you'll notice, yeah. with Fran, yeah. right? Something yeah, always ties back to Star, to Star Trek. Trek. Something interesting here, though, right? You, when I make the point, you'll see, right? Now, Bond did go to space, of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. See, I told you, I told you, Steve well, and Steve. Again. You may laugh, but. You know, I've got a supporter here. He didn't go to the moon like a lot of critics say, like the, the tabloid reviews. Remember when Bond went to the moon? He didn't go to the moon. He went to space yeah. and Moonraker. Uh, right. He left the atmosphere, all right? Now, that's yeah. space. But here's the thing. On occasion, Captain Kirk will use various means to get information out of women, right? That may look like he's romancing them, but actually he's pursuing a mission. And once he gets that piece of information, it's done, Right. And that's his mission. And that's what a commanding officer does. He will do whatever he can to pursue the avenues that he has to pursue to, to, to complete his mission. Now, in the books, you could say that Bond did the same thing. He was using the woman in some way as part of his mission, right? And you see that sometimes in the films as well, where there's a ruthlessness to Bond, a cold Big ruthlessness. Time. 
Yeah. And that is something that's quite interesting there because it takes away maybe... You, you could say there was a bit of glamour and a bit of the Bond girl thing came into it, but really what it started out as was a cold-hearted agent using every means at his disposal to complete his mission, which was controversial. You uh, may have reported on this yourself at some point, the undercover police. Yes, there are elements of that it's it's and it's it has been a genuine policing tactic and i think that probably has fed into well fed into the films and the books of course ian fleming himself i imagine will have had that kind of method of policing in his head i imagine when he wrote the character of bond and it is it, it is more it is far more of a controversy now um it's yeah, and I think that's probably the fact that that has become an issue of late is probably one reason why they're starting to kind of peel back from that idea, particularly in the films. But does that then take away from the character of Bond? As you said, he's he's a man on a mission. Does taking that ruthlessness, particularly in this case with women, away from him, take away from the character? Well, I, I think I think you could say civil matters, maybe. A lot of police were dealing with, say, animal rights activists and things like that. But if it's a matter of national security, he's allowed to kill people. He's nice. allowed to sleep with people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so there is a difference there. Do you know what I mean? He's not a policeman, undercover cop. He's an MI6 agent. And I'm sure MI6 agents even now, as we Every, speak, are doing yeah. things yeah. that we would find questionable, but nobody will ever know. Like like you said, what was it, a, an agent must use every means at his disposal to accomplish his mission. And it all Bond, the films, you know, even any era of Bond, he, he was ruthless. He did whatever it did to, to get the job done. And he was more, he was kind of a more of a ladies' man with his one-liners and everything in, in the films. You never got that in the book. It didn't have quite that humorous aspect. Mm -hmm. to it. Even even the Connery films, it wasn't all a Roger Moore thing. Um, he didn't really have to do anything and women just loved him in the books. He just, he was quite kind of, right. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't say much. He just... That's why they loved him. Oh, yeah. He didn't say much. He had the looks and... That uh, must have been it. <laughs> Who's your favourite Bond? I'll go start with you, Gordon. Favourite? It's got got to be Big Tam, as me and my brother call him Sean Connery. That was his name. He, his real name's Thomas Sean Connery. His early days as an actor. I didn't actually He was that. known as Big Tam, yeah. And for so many reasons, I'm a big Roger Murphy. I'm a fan of all of them. I mean, I'm the sort of guy... I'm so into the, Bond. You can that, see the benefits of all of what they all yeah, contributed to the yeah, franchise. Yeah, big time, man. I... On a Majesty's Secret Service, George Lazenby gets a lot of stick, but for play, see for portraying the sort of sensitive side of Bond, you couldn't have put Sean Connery. I don't think in that film and him, you know, right, his right. emotion at the end when when his wife Tracy dies. But yeah, Sean Connery's the, the iconic one. I think if you again, if you go back to the books, he fits in with the character from the. Well, I don't know, like sort of looks wise in terms of how Bond was meant to look, but. Timothy Dalton and Daniel Craig, they're like the closest ones to Flame. Maybe maybe Daniel the best one in that respect. But I thought I love Timothy Dalton for his serious side of Bond and License to Kill. That's I mean License to Kill is my top five. Again, a controversial one. Bond not even on on a a mission. Is it controversial? Just I thought that was a popular one. 
Oh no, it's, uh, I think. I, in my head, that's what I've always liked that. Film Is that the Timothy well. Dalton one? That's the second yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, it's Timmy D's second one. And seeing the second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my pal Timmy D. Yeah, big Timbo. Um, I'm getting confused. Because, um, yeah, sorry, I, I know I'm digressing a bit. License to Kill, he's in a mission of vengeance. He's, he's doing, mm. he kind he's of. not even working for Yeah, he gets kind of kicked out of it or he. he hands in his resignation and he's so he's just so angry the first half of that film and I love that mm-hmm. about Bond but yeah I could go on all day about all the, the different Bonds and the different elements they bring to it the likes of Pierce Brosnan he bridged well the serious um, I think he was an amalgamation of all the tones he was set, yeah. wasn't he yeah cause he was I think, he was great loving the one liners but he was different from Roger Moore I liked like Mind to talk about mine. Mine's is Brosnan you mentioned there. Like uh, yeah. for me, it's all about what age were you when you first get uh, kind of exposed as a weird word, but to to kind of like. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Stephen, what are you doing in front of the telly? <laughs> um, so yeah, it was that. That was my first exposure to Bond, and uh, that was it for me. But even though I can admit the other three films that Brosnan did, I don't think are actually up there with my favourites and this the, the other ones that Sean Connery's done and Roger Moore are probably better but GoldenEye is just so cemented for me of what makes a great Bond film that I just have this nostalgic love yeah, for that GoldenEye is <clears throat> it's in my top five I think oh definitely for me uh, Steve over yourself See, this is why I'm particularly interested in this project, I think, because at the moment for me it is Pierce Brosnan, but that's because it's what introduced me to the franchise, it's what I grew up with. But I reckon if we go through all the films, I think that's, I think by the end of this, that's going to change. I think, I think that I, yeah, I don't think I'm going to stick with that, but for now, because of what I've seen and what I've experienced thus far, it's Pierce. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can actually agree with you. A fresh pair of advice can really, you know, yeah. go. Yeah. You might, yeah, Absolutely. your opinion could change. I don't know. Fran, that'd be Captain Picard, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Space <laughs> diplomat. Um, I would say it's got to be Roger Moore for me. Now, that might seem odd, you know, given the fact that there's a big connection with Sean Connery because we're all Scottish and, you know, Daniel Craig's been really great and Pierce Brosnan was the one that we grew up with in a sense but Roger Moore to me was it was just he's the best at the one-liners and that's the thing I love the most it really makes it cracks me up when Roger Moore delivers a one-liner there's something about it that's just so self-assured and so sort of like off the cuff like like you could have explosions going off all around the guy and folk dying and all around him and he just makes the time to make a little joke I'm hoping we'll be able to yeah. perfect our, our impressions of Roger Moore by the time we get to <laughs> yeah. uh, the Roger Moore films we've yeah. got a good mix don't uh, we of um, you know our, our favourite Bonds and Bonds films really it's going to be interesting, interesting yeah. know, definitely yeah. definitely uh, okay that's, that's fine I think we've kind of covered most of what we want to talk about going into this we've kind of outlined the sort of yeah. general the, the project before we finish um, we'll talk a wee bit about our sort of thoughts going into the first film then Doctor No uh, Gordon you're probably the best to maybe kind of give us a wee bit of an insight into it I've, I, I think I've seen this once mm-hmm. and it was years mm-hmm. ago and I can barely remember it but um, what's what's your you've, you've watched this not too recently haven't you Fairly, not fairly recently. I'll let you rephrase that. You've watched this recently. I haven't watched it for about two months. It's so long, honestly. Um, no, I think it was. I think it was about a month ago. I've seen it so many times. It's maybe my favourite of the lot. Now, um, what all the Bond films? Wow, okay. Potentially, I gotta say the first. Th- 
I was trying to think the other day what is my favourite, and I think it's got to be one of the first three. It depends. I mean, what? Well, this is going to be painful for you then, because the best guess, will be over. Really, I know really exactly. Yeah, There's nothing to look forward to. But the um, Doctor No, um, the, it was done on a budget of I think about one million pounds, which uh, 1962 um, technology was you know very limited to come how it is now you see a lot of backward projection and stuff stuff done in the show but for what they had available what an amazing job and sean connery he'd he wasn't a well-known actor he was an unknown at the time i think um i think we're gonna enjoy that one i think it introduced just the things that became constant signatures of bond throughout the season he starts off the casino scene right at the start um because the, the title theme came from that yeah then well did you know the interesting thing Doctor No you'll see I'll not you know be giving any spoilers or whatever but the there's no actual theme song for Doctor No it just starts with the Bond theme it does have a title sequence um, it doesn't have the pre you'll see the pre-titles becomes a comic where it shows you it's almost like a mini film the Bond starts with so it'll be Bond in some mission that's unconnected to the film but then have the song kicking in with the the titles and and then it's the film itself so even cars, though you won't see what there's this a lot of people saying Sean Connor said this himself. He felt well he said that under Roger Moore the series became too reliant on gadgets. I certainly think it was after it was from Goldfinger with the you know well, the, the Aston Martin it started to yeah. be, rely a you know, he was more of a detective kind of in the first couple. Uh huh. Like I remember those first two films were slightly they did change by Goldfinger, it was the third one, that was where all the sort of staples yeah. of what makes a Bond film were set. And it yeah. was like a template was kind of created at that film. Great film. Yeah. It was an amazing film. Amazing, yeah. But um, I think I remember that as well. That was where like, the gadgets and a lot of the, the one-liners and things yeah. really started to creep in and things like that. But those first two films were a bit, a bit slower, a bit more, uh, I think, less of an event, the way that Goldfinger suddenly made Bond. Yeah. Whereas every Bond film since then has become an event of like the James Bond film and things like that. Uh, do you have any re- recollections of Doctor No at all? Um, I remember some some girl walking out of the sea. Oh, yeah. against Halle Berry, but just, oh, I, thought, I, I thought, thought she a, looked quite nice. Yeah, nice. But I, I just think of her horrendous acting. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> don't hold back <laughs> don't oh, sue us I'm sure she won't hear this anytime soon we well, so. never know don't, yeah. don't jinx it I mean uh, she might I like it yeah. uh, we'll be positive <laughs> then you know the celebrities will be queuing up to listen to this but um, yeah I, I definitely it's, I mean I, I barely remember much of it um, so I'm looking forward to, to seeing kind of the original Bond film with fresh eyes well I want to know why he's called Doctor No that's the thing I want to find out again isn't he a bit sort of like a weird freak scientist, a bit like a Nazi scientist or something almost? Or is yeah. he? Like, he's not a Nazi, he's, but he's like a. He's almost like a doctor. You can yeah. imagine a doctor Mengele type psycho. Yeah, that, that's a, a good, a good way of uh, kind of <laughs> summing him up. He, he's a he's a member of Spectre, and Spectre will see becomes quite a. This this is like kind of the world's biggest criminal organization becomes quite a theme, and he's just you think he's sort of the head of this whole operation. But it turns out he's he's actually quite a small. He's like he's a like small a- fish in this big bowl of world um, corruption and crim criminal activity. So is this the, the plot really thickens after that? Sorry, after that film, it's like the connected films you see with the Marvel films, the universe yeah. like of films all connecting to each other. Is this actually the first of this? Yeah, there's. <laughs> I like. I love. I love continuity with James Bond, and the certainly from Doctor No to From Rush with Love. There's, um, 
it even references Doc, Doctor No a bit in From Russia With Love. Um, there's like this continuity and Spectre becomes quite a, a... It's part of the plot for a good few films to come. Is I really it, like it. And some of the likes of Blofeld who becomes... Um, you know the most iconic Bond villain. He has he's kind of developed gradually from from Russia with Love onwards. So and also and of, we got to talk about also like the supporting supporting cast of the Bond films, which although Bond himself changed different actors, strong supporting cast. You know yeah. Lois Maxwell's Miss Moneypenny, Bernard Lee's M Q. Of course, that's one thing I like with Bond. Just the can continue the actor may change the the world changes, but you have that. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. the thing. I always had it in my mind that the name James Bond and the identity behind that person was a fabrication created by MI6 that would be applied to whoever got the job. So once you became 007, then you got the name James Bond and you got the house and you got the background so that if anyone came to try and kill you or whatever, then that would it would only be a, a sock puppet that would die. Yeah. Not a real person. That's what I always imagined James Bond was. was That's an interesting take on it, actually, yeah. I don't know if it works though. Because it would be a fake identity, wouldn't you, to protect your family and friends? Does he change his name in License to Kill? Does he become Stephen... (laughs) No, that'd be interesting. Stephen Jones. Another real theme of Bond, I love love real kind of spy tactics, like using aliases. He uses that a lot in the films Mm -hmm. to come. I love Bond, you know, being stealthy as well. But that just reminds me there, Bond uses a lot of aliases. I don't think he does in License to Kill. But he's just, he becomes, you know, he does, he be, there's the odd time Bond kind of becomes a bit Rambo. Well, that'll be unlicensed to kill one, but the license of Tomorrow Never Dies running around the stealth ship with the machine gun in one hand, the PPK in the other. It's like, that was where I thought that good film, but it got a bit to. Uh, what one was that again, sorry? Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, yeah, there's just a yeah. real action sequence at the end, which is running around blowing people away. And I, it was more or less Mission Impossible. I, liked, I preferred Stealthy Bond, you know, like, like the start of that film, actually, than the pre-titles. Well, yeah. they did that in Casino Royale, didn't they? They really paired it back to him being someone who would sneak in and be sitting waiting with his gun out, you know, and yeah. use a silencer, you know, and take someone out, which I, I, I like that better as well. Yeah. I think there's... there's Elements of Bond. I mean, I like it when it does some of the sort of cartoonishness. I actually like Moonraker, despite its ridiculousness. Like, I love Moonraker. I yeah. think it's actually just a fun film, and I think with Jaws and stuff like that, yeah. um, it's the henchmen. Obviously, you know some of the some of the greatest characters. You know, here's a controversy for you, right? Yeah. See the wee girl character that's that falls in love with Jaws. Yeah. Does she have braces? I think so. Do you remember her having braces? <laughs> I've got a feeling she does. You don't really see her up close that I mean, that's much. Kind of I like think the, she's... She smiles at him and she's... Yeah. <laughs> it seems kind of in keeping the character because it's meant to be a total opposite of Jaws. What if I told you that she doesn't have braces? Right. And that's a big thing that's going on around the internet at the moment where everybody's questioning their memories about this. I think it's the way she smiles. Oh, you just see her up close <laughs> once and it's the way the, the the way she grins at Jaws. I just love the way he grins back at her. But I do think, I thought, I preferred the kind of menacing Jaws a bit more rather than the yeah, comedy Bond I, and Moonraker. I, but I, I, I also Moonraker. thought at the same time he is better than The Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah, oh, big time. Jaws, aye. Well, who would you say is your favourite henchman then or sort of main... So, do you, aye, well... A lot. You, the word villain gets used often to kind of describe who's the sort of ringleader of the, you know, Bond's main antagonist, and then the henchman, like the guy that works for the the villain. So I'm not sure. But in terms of villain, as you said favorite favorite yeah, henchman. Just, yeah. yeah. 
favourite probably Goldfinger I think Gert Frobe I just played the part so and you wouldn't even you know he was dubbed the whole film Goldfinger was an English actor called Michael Collins dubbed Gert Frobe was German couldn't speak a word of English but you know just really ruthless guy you know he was prepared prepared to kill like what 10,000 people are there that was a th- a theme just of villains that you know they're just so ruthless um they would i love how the fact that he does some kind of recreational activity with bond and they try and size each other up playing the game of golf he's kind of set the template dr no set the template in a way with that as well but pro yeah probably goldfinger i think was my favorite i've got to say i have a real soft spot for robert davy and um well sanchez was his name the the, the main bad in license to kill he was and he was a you know, an all too believable drug dealer. Essentially, he was, you know, and it was a a plot that you know some this could actually happen. Not a megalomaniac blow up a city kind of plot. Yeah, I thought he was really good. Probably best, probably Goldfinger. I think. Okay, Steve, do you have a, any preference? I don't think I do. See, this is where I'm coming into this as a complete novice. Mm-hmm. I'm actually quite looking forward to establishing Aye. who's going to become mm-hmm. the the villain or the bad guy that I, I really enjoy. Um, but right now, uh, no, I am kind of sitting back and waiting to see what comes up. Okay, yep. Fran? I don't know. I don't know. I'm in a similar position to Steve too. <laughs> Established that. <laughs> Let's get the dominance correct. <laughs> I used to always be Steve or Steve-o at uni, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I think back was about well. Or I just yeah. would say McCall or Barry. Uh, I think for me it would probably be it's going to be a bit constantly referred to Goldeneye but it's probably you just don't know anything else do you yeah. it was good <laughs> yeah. I've, only seen, I've only seen one Bond film really Goldeneye but I said the, the game you I haven't mean, even you, see, I've just played the game you haven't seen the film have you double yeah. agent man double six <laughs> I think we've got to you know even at least one podcast is dedicated to the game I mean ah uh, well maybe we will as the bonus well what we'll do is we'll have a match and record the match and you'll <laughs> yeah. hear us all become be enemies done. proximity yeah. mines facility <laughs> one shot kills no aim uh, what's it called Just again? It Archives. Yeah. Archives, yeah, yeah, and I will win that. Oh yeah, we did play. You're really ruthless, actually. Actually, I don't know if I want to play with you. See how you <laughs> like James Gordon. <laughs> Gordon's a fan of James Bond, right? I am so good at Goldeneye that I become James Bond when I'm playing the game. So how, how many years has it been though? I think you're I can still do it. I can still do. It. I've dusted it off a few times and killed my uncle. You know when we've. And then you played the game. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. yeah. All right. I, I didn't mean to let that one go. All right, I think that's going to cover this episode. Then we've kind of we've kind of dug right into general Bond as a franchise, our thoughts, credentials, as well as you know Doctor No introduction. So I think well, the only person who's got credentials really is Gordon. Is yep, Gordon? Gordon. <laughs> we've all got our lack of credentials. Yeah, I'll just do the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> But it's great to have you guys on. Yeah, so thanks for having us on as yeah. well. I, you know, I've enjoyed your your podcast and you know covered some iconic films. And you, yeah, where we're better to go than you know James Bond? We're opening up. I know you're it's like a, a good uh, a good way to start. We're going to get what twenty four films worth of reviews, depending on when we actually get finished on that could be about five years from now so we might have the 25th one done we should uh, I was just going to say the, nec- the next one five we should years. get <laughs> <laughs> have we should maybe sit somewhere kind of 
I don't know, a kind of exotic, more exotic location where it's just four guys sitting <laughs> in a You keep pretending <laughs> that we're not somewhere nice. It's quite a cloudy day in Glasgow. You listen, know. the people that listen to this don't know where we are. Yeah. For all they know, we could be Getting in a out. really plush hotel room with folk coming in with martinis for us and we're all wearing tuxedos. But you've, you've just basically told them that we're sitting in a flat in Glasgow. <laughs> and I'm holding a golden gun, for God's sake. But, uh, There's no way to. Yeah. That, that, that's uh, that's quite rude, Stephen. Yeah. Right. Okay. That'll do this episode. Uh, we'll see you guys next time then, from when we actually decide to actually watch Doctor No and review that in more granular detail. Thanks again for coming up. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Bye bye.